This is Power Players with Dan Clark. So welcome, Dan Clark, Power Players with Dan Clark. Another episode of this amazing podcast where I have the honor to interview student-athletes from the University of Utah, my alma mater, where I played football and baseball. And I only bring that up because my responsibility as a podcast host is to ask the questions that all of the fans want to know. Because when number 51 is this awesome superstar, all-conference, all-American, stud muffin hunk of burning love, and you (laughs) never see him without his helmet on, and all the women, when they see his hairdo and they just die and gasp in awe, dreaming that they had the hair that he does. Now that we can take off his uniform, and you don't have to think that he's just that that stud from the backside now with his cute little pants on. But now look at this big million-dollar smile. I am so excited. Keaton Bills, uh, local, Corner Canyon, super, superstar, who's in the studio today, and we're just going to take you all the way back. His beautiful, beloved wife, Sydney, has joined us here with their little boy. He's how old now, bro? He's three months now. Three, three months. months, and he's uh, he's kind of got his dad's DNA because he's he looks like a linebacker right now. <laughs> He'll probably be uh, playing tackle football when he's three. That's the goal. Yeah, absolutely. His name's Jensen, so it's just great to have a family affair today. So let's get down to it, bro. One of the coolest things as a as a, an athlete who actually went to East High and then I played football and baseball with you, the intriguing thing to all of us fans is when we can keep a superstar high school athlete in Utah, especially from a great program like Corner Canyon. You're famous for sending dudes to Oregon, you know, and they're all communists up there. We know that. <laughs> no one knows how in the world anybody could actually sign a sign a, a scholarship to go to any out-state school. But it's such an honor to have someone at your caliber and your ability to decide to stay in Utah. So we'll get to that reason why you stayed, but let's go all the way back. So family, talk to talk to us about your dad, your mom, your siblings. Man, family is uh, is so important to me. Um, we kind of had a tricky family. So my parents split uh, when I was pretty young, actually. And then my dad moved out here to Utah, and my mom is currently in, in California. But my dad remarried, um, and so I have a stepmom, and I have a stepfather, and I have step-siblings, and so... Um, although family was kind of tricky for me, young age, being really confused and what everything was going down, uh, now that I'm older and, you know, it's all just love and it's all family. And, and I'm just so blessed to have uh, such an amazing family. I have five stepsisters wow. and I have four older brothers and one older sister. So we have 11 siblings <clears throat> all together and they're all amazing and they support me and they support my little family. Uh, and everything we do, and so I'm I'm, so I'm extremely cool. blessed. I'm extremely blessed. So when did you move to Utah? Then you basically grew up in our school system. Oh yeah, so I, I moved here when I was 12. So okay. I was in middle school. Um, I spent a little bit of time in California. I was actually born in Florida. I don't really remember much. I was only maybe three when we moved to California. Yeah, most people who were born, they were born at a young age. So most that's people, probably why you don't yeah. remember. Yeah, that's now good that I know. think about Thanks. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so most of my time here has been Utah, and so it's been it's been amazing. I met a lot of amazing people and friends, family, and you know, it's been it's been awesome. So, were you always a big kid for your age? Uh, not height wise, but round wise, I was always bigger. Round's a shape. Come on, <laughs> round man. is Come a shape. On. Come on, baby. Um, yeah, I was always bigger. Um, always a little bit bigger than everyone else. Actually, funny enough, we were going through some old mementos that we had, and my brother Graham, when he was young, he was writing a letter to my grandma, and he said. 
that just how big I was compared to all the other kids. Just like just talking about me, how big I was compared to all the other, you know, three year olds or whatever it was. They said I was the size of like a seven year old or whatever it was. <laughs> and it just it was funny. I didn't I never realized, you know, how big I was compared to other kids growing up. So when did you start playing football? So I didn't start playing football until I was twelve, until I moved here to Utah uh-huh. with my dad. Uh, my mom actually didn't want me to play. I think she was thought it was too dangerous. And then yeah. I moved out here with my dad, and he was like, "What? No, we're playing football. We, we, we play we play football in this family." And so, uh, you know, I started playing football when I was twelve. I struggled. I was not good. It was hard for me to grasp. Um, but you know, being a big guy, kind of stereotypical, you're a lineman. Go over and get in that line. Yep, pretty much. It's just hey, stand in front of this kid and and block this kid. And but um, you know, I had a, a lot of amazing coaches, you know, teaching me, and my you know brothers were all help, there helping me and. You know, it came a long way, and it all worked out. Okay, so you're accentuating that you were kind of this roly-poly kid, but because our seats are so close and I watch you a lot, you are such an outstanding line. <laughs> what we say is you have good feet, you have quick feet, you have that twitch muscle. So when did you realize that you were no longer a roly-poly guy, but you were agile, you can, you can, you can pull, you can go down on the secondary block. You've got all the skill set required to be a, a, a number one draft pick. When did that happen? Uh, man, I think it happened probably my sophomore year of high school where I kind of slimmed out just a little bit. Uh, I gained a little bit of athleticism. Um, and, yeah, I just kind of worked on just like my craft a little bit. Um, I was actually a defensive lineman in high school. Um, I, I played both ways, but I, I called myself a defensive lineman. I love defense, and I just kind of worked on that. And then getting here to Utah – you know, we have such an amazing coach, Coach Harding. You know, he's Absolutely. such an amazing coach and, and so technical, and every little thing is so important to him. And he kind of just ingrained that into me of how every little thing is so important. And so it's just been amazing learning from him and learning from the amazing O-lineman that's been in that room since I've been there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just been awesome. This podcast episode is brought to you by the University of Utah Marketing. Thank you for your support of student-athletes at the University of Utah. So just for the, the viewing public let's just talk about the advantages of playing offensive line and defensive line so offense the advantages are you know where the play is and you know what the snap count is but the defense gets to use your hands (laughs) so that answers one of the questions you're so good with your hands as an offensive lineman that must have been taught to you as a defensive lineman first to get off the block to get the separation to do whatever is required and now you've taken that skill set from a defensive mindset to be that offensive player so Teach us about the significance of, of cross-training, of, of getting on the other side of the ball, so to speak, and learning what you need to learn to get a competitive advantage when you return back to the offensive side. Did that make sense? Yeah, so I get what you're saying, the importance of like, kind of knowing both sides. Uh, you know, I, as a defensive lineman, you know, I was always just super aggressive, super physical, just wanting to get my hands in there first, and I wanted to be the one to kind of be the hammer um, because I know I, I had pretty long arms, that, you know, and so I was just trying to use my length and use my strength. And and so that's the separation. You yeah. always want to make contact and then separate, and that means the offensive lineman is like the monkey on the back <laughs> of the head going, hey, with his legs moving. So now that you know that that's the advantage, you want to separate. What, as an offensive lineman, what do you do to – to knock that hand away, yeah, teach so us some skill set. I'll try to I'll try to teach you all here real quick. So I try to get my hands in first, obviously, but you know I, I play against guys who have scholarships too, so they get in their hands every once in a while. My big thing is I always try to use my my forearms and try to knock their wrists down, um, or if it's more of a passing situation, I usually try to grab their wrists and throw it up, um, kind of mess up with their with their balance a little bit and with their with their kind of momentum. 
uh, that's that's kind of my main goal. But, you know, obviously right off the bat, I want to get my hands in there first. And that's kind of what I try to drive to do. And in my past sets, I usually like to kind of jump, jump set them and try to get them, beat them at the line of scrimmage rather than kind of set back. Um, just kind of be trying to be more aggressive and trying to be more that more that physicality. So if you're a defensive back, if you're a cornerback, the way you get a competitive advantage is to take away the outside arm of every receiver because if you think about it, these one-handed catches, all of them are with the outside. They're over the shoulder. They're the perfectly you know yeah. d- d- delivered pass. So when you start watching film, what what? What do you look for to gain the competitive advantage over a defensive lineman? So if you're going against an All-American, like you said, they have scholarships too. I know they fear you. I know they're watching your tendencies. You know, you drop back, whatever you do. So what are you looking for in, in film study to gain that competitive advantage over a defensive lineman? That's a great question. And I think it goes back to how important uh, Coach Harding is as a coach. You know, he he sets us up to, to succeed in every step. So we, we get these amazing film study sheets that kind of go over – um, kind of who, who we're going against first off, um, what they do in run game, uh, what they do uh, in pass game and their, their pass rush moves, um, their tendencies and all that. And so it's kind of helped me uh, realign my focus and when I do watch film, because a lot of times you go into the film room, you don't know what you're looking for. You're just watching film. It's like you're watching a game. You're just, you kept, you, sometimes you get lost and you just follow the ball and you're like, oh, I'm watching film. <laughs> um, so it's, it's nice to have these film study sheets. And I, I try to watch one person at a time. Uh, I try to watch one defense alignment at a time just to see how they come off the ball. You know, as soon as a snap count does, what do they do? Are they standing up? Are they coming off full force? Are they throwing their hands out? And then you kind of go into, oh, it's a pass situation. What kind of pass? Are they a midline rusher? Are they just going to try to bull rush me, use their strength? Or are they a finesse guy? Are they going to throw their hands? And so that kind of all kind of helps you understand, okay, when I set on them, do I need to set back? Do I need to be more light? Do I need to come off harder? And then in the run game, you know, there's such a diverse kind of set, especially in the Pac-12, there's so many athletes that, you know, are they going to swim me if I come off too hard? Are they going to, you know, are they going to stand their ground? And so such all these little things that you look for when you're watching film. But it's been amazing to have Coach Harding kind of lead and guide us in, in that of what exactly what to watch. And that has given us the advantage for so many years. It's been awesome. Absolutely. So <clears throat> have you played guard and tackle? So I your pl- career? Uh, not here at Utah. I played tackle in high school. Um, but ever since I've been here at the University of Utah, I've been a left guard. Yeah. Um, they've tried me at right guard. They've tried me at center for a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm still practicing center, still trying to gain it. Um, I can play both sides, but I think my left guard uh, is just where I'm supposed so to So teach do. us so why the left guard. Do we have strengths and weaknesses? Do we have tendencies? Why the left guard teaches? Uh, I think I'm just more comfortable. I think my body is just feels more natural over on that left side. Um, I don't know. Many people probably don't understand. It's it's like it's all the same position to most people or most viewers. It's it, it is weird to flip your muscle memory, right? So if I'm on the left side, I'm pushing off my right. You know, I'm always using my right to push off, and my left is kind of a stabilizer. So when you flip that, you got to reteach your muscles what their job is basically, and so it's a little difficult. Um, kind of flipping your mindset. Your, the plays are always opposite. You know, for depending on what side you're on. So it's it's a little tough, but you know. I've, through the years, I've kind of understood and be able to do that, but left guard has always just kind of been my strong suit. Okay, so you really are a superstar, and I want you to answer this question. So you get down in your line, you know what the play is, you know what the snap count is, and as we say, now you're covered. There's a defensive lineman over you, and right before the snap count, the defensive line shifts, and now you're uncovered. So, And we do that to juke with the offensive lineman's mind, but you 
rise to the occasion. Teach us how you make that shift, how you're so resilient, so fast on the fly when you might be thinking, okay, it's on the second sound or whatever the snap count is, and you know you got an angle, it's a zone block, whatever the case may be, and then all of a sudden it's man-to-man. Teach us how you, you, you shift where you're going so fast. Uh, I think I keep doing this by referring back to Coach Hardy. He he kind of just sets us up in every any anything that's possible that's going to happen in a game. He prepares us for every little thing he prepares us for. So, you know, we 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 work on that during during the week. If we know this team is a team that's going to move do move calls throughout the snap cadence, we work on that nonstop throughout the week. Uh, so, you know, if they start out in an even front uh, and then they move into an odd front where I'm uncovered then I, I automatically know we've been doing this all week that, oh, instead of working with the center, maybe I'm going to start working with the tackle now, or maybe I'm going straight up to the linebacker, just depending on what their defensive front is after the move call. But just such like how critical your coach is and how critical that, that pr- those practices are and that film is is incredible because that split-second split decision, you know, if you're, not, if you're not prepared, if you're not watching film, if you're not practicing that, can stop you and inhibit you from, from making those big plays. But because Utah football is such a – hard-nosed program and we've we've been around for a long time you know the coaches are amazing in those seconds you know we were able to make those decisions and and come off the ball with full force so i love quotes and i've quoted a different part of pressure before but this is a new angle pressure is not something that's naturally there it's created when you question your own ability and when you know what you've been trained to do there's never any pressure wow that's why we train and practice so hard so you're validating that. How does that apply to off the field? You being a great husband, you being a new dad. Let's talk about what you're what you've learned as a an elite high level athlete that has helped you in your personal life. I think it's helped me in every in every aspect of my life. You know, just knowing how we practice and how we give our effort in certain areas in football. Um, just using that same effort and that same discipline in everything I do. You know, just coming home and. And trying to find something to work on and find, trying to, you know, I'm not a perfect husband. I'm not a you know perfect athlete, but I know there's always something I can work on. And I know I have an amazing wife who, who coaches me and, you know, helps Absolutely. me through those times. And, uh, you know, just got to follow, you know, her example and her lead. And she's amazing. So I know as long as I'm kind of following her lead, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to execute and I'm going to, you know, come up with big plays, quote unquote. So yep. happy and, wife, happy life. Exactly. You, you, you know, it all, baby. <laughs> but she's amazing. And so it's been awesome. You know, she's a great help. And so. That helps me in all the other aspects of my life. I don't have to stress about, oh, am I taking care of my wife? Am I taking care of my kid? You know, I know she's there and doing everything that, that she needs to be doing, and, and she's amazing, and she helps me out so much. And so it gives me time it. to focus on school or whatever else I need to do. Okay, so that brings up the word sacrifice. You know, you've got to be going in the same direction, obviously. And I don't know if I could be a coach because it seems like they always leave the office at about 10 o'clock at night. And <gasps> they, can you they, imagine being a, sp- a spouse of a of a of a coach, the dedication and sacrifice that they commit to. And the same thing with the wife, especially right now. So when you make it in the NFL, it'll be a little different. You know, you have a day off and an off season and everything. But right now the sacrifice required by our spouses and our significant others is so incredible. Teach us the love story. How did you meet Sydney? Oh no. And did you know, this is a key question. So I've been married for 43 years. I had no freaking clue nobody could possibly have a clue of all these amazing qualities and and actually character traits that we need in a spouse and a supportive loved one when we fall in love and get married it's just kind of like you know oh my gosh so tell us the love story and and I, I, you know that'll that'll 
breed or beg another question about All the right. support that's required from a wife, especially at this time <laughs> in your career, just trying to make your dreams come true. All right, so strap in for this one. So, For those of you who didn't see it, he just winked at her, and her smile is going from <laughs> ear to ear. Her face is turning a little bit red like, I hope you get it right, honey. <laughs> I know. I hope I can remember the right details. And I don't that, know. She might be a little nervous for this one. And now she's, she's pointing the finger. This is going to be good, bro. Come on, Caden. All right. I'm ready for this. All right. So we actually went to high school together, uh, believe it or not. But because Corner Canyon was such a big school, yeah. we never interacted once. How and many students for those who so, have never been there? Well, just our graduating class. I think it was at least 1,000 or more than 1,000 oh just goodness. in our graduating class. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, our first year, the first year Corner Canyon ever opened, uh, it was supposed to be a huge school. The first year, they had to add portables to be in the parking lot for extra space for more students. There was just so many kids in that school. So she was a cheerleader, and I was a football player. Of course she was. Of course. Um, we still did interact somehow. Uh, we both did track my, our senior year. Somehow still never you interacted. You ran 100, and she threw the shot. That's exactly that. how it went down. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, we just never never interacted. And then I went on a mission. I came home. Um and just through mutual friends, we were able to reconnect. And uh, I thought she was super beautiful. And so I wanted to get to know her. And then uh, we, we went on a few dates. We had a great time. Um, we both kind of just, we, went, we had a couple great dates. And we just kind of ended communication. I don't think it was just like a mutual. We kind of just had different things going on in our lives. We kind of rekindled after uh, a couple months. And then uh, I met her family. And, uh, you know, things just progressed in such a such a natural way. You know, we just felt... Everything we did was just felt so natural. Like, I just fit right in with her family. She fit in so easily with my family, and it was just amazing. Um, she is such an outgoing and adventurous person. Um, I'm not. I, I'm naturally just more quiet, more kind of introvert. I just, I get, I'm kind of not a shy, but not like a nervous kind of guy. I just don't like getting in trouble or don't want to break the rules. Um, and she is so opposite of that. Um, so dating her, I would have to come up with these new different dates that put me out of my outside of my comfort zone. And I liked it. And I liked being adventurous. And I liked that part of my life because football and, and school is such a disciplined thing. Oh, yeah. It was nice to kind of get away from that. Um, and it was such a different feeling and amazing. And it's just been like that ever since we've been married. And how, so it's been how, amazing. How long did you date before you got married? Uh, about a year. So we dated for about a year. And then we, we got engaged in January of 2019. Um, we were supposed to get married in May of 2020, but because of COVID, uh, everything went down. We wanted to be sealed in the temple mm -hmm. of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but they were all starting to shut down. And so we talked with our families, talked to each other, and we just decided that it was just better to get sealed now rather than wait until the, all the temples reopen. And so we, got, we ended up getting sealed uh, in March of 2020. And uh, it's just been an cool. Uh, an adventure ever since. Which temple? We got uh, sealed in the Jordan River Temple. Who sealed you? Uh, the president of the temple. Very I cool. uh, I don't remember his name. But yeah. My brother's a sealer. That's why I asked. Would oh. that have been cool? Um, yeah, it might have been. Who knows? Yeah. This podcast episode is brought to you by the University of Utah Marketing. Supporting University of Utah student-athletes in our community and throughout the world. So I should have you take a seat and just bring Sydney over here to get her side of the story. But I'm watching her smile and she's nodding like you got it right there, big boy. <laughs> I hope I did. Okay, so let's uh, let's get personal, man. How do you prepare for a game? I am, man. Um, just throughout the week, throughout practice, uh, that film is so important. Like we've just kind of been talking about, that film sheet is is 
almost like a Bible to me and then to our O-line unit. Um, we just kind of focus on that and just it's just so important how that film is and, and, the, and your practicing is. But mentally, um, I'm a I'm a very I'm a calm preparer. You know, you have those guys who like to get excited or like to pump themselves up. Um, I can't do that or else I get I, I just add more nerves to my to my system. So I like to be as calm as I can be. Um, I just try to relax and kind listen of listen to a certain kind of music to calm you, calm you down. Uh, I will. I mean, I'll just listen to. Uh, I actually have an Eminem playlist. Um, I, it's not like calming music, but it's what I listen to before every game. Um, I just think it's just you know just background noise and just helps me kind of just relax and and chill. I actually like to watch movies um, yeah. to help me relax. Like what? What's your favorite movie? Here we go. Favorite movie of all time? Um, man, that's such a hard question asked me that um i love i love marvel movies yeah um they're they're like some of my favorite um so i would say those are probably some of my favorite movies but i love adam sandler i love all of yeah, his yeah. movies so I, I usually tend to watch those in but the you, hotel you kind of a, you kind of uh you you identify with thor <laughs> fat thor maybe but yeah um i do like those movies yeah so that's very cool uh it just helps me relax and so the night before the games i always watch a movie or two and just kind of helps me just just on realign, just relax, kind of let go for a little bit, and uh, yeah, just help me get my mind off of all the all the pressure. Okay, so as game time rolls around and uh, you come out on the field, your heart's pounding a little bit. You know, when do you start to expand that rubber band so that the first play from scrimmage, you let it go and you're maxed out? When Man. do you really start getting fired up? Uh, not until I'm literally my hands in the ground and that, that cadence is going. I think that's kind of when I, my heart starts racing a little bit. I'm kind of realized where I am and my, my mind starting to fire a little bit. Um, and then that first hit, as soon oh, as you yeah. make that first hit, it's like, it's game on, you know, whether it's, you know, a run block or a pass block, as soon as you feel that those two helmets collide, um, there's no other feeling like it. And your, your adrenaline just starts pumping and your, and your, your blood's boiling you're ready to go. And that's my favorite feeling. So do you, is your favorite run block or, or pass block? What do you think you're, you're best suited for if you had a strength? If I had a strength, uh, I'd probably say run blocking is what I'm, I'm best at. I've been just trying to perfect and, and work on my pass blocking. Um, uh, it's been, you know, a work in progress, but I feel like run blocking is just my thing. I just come off the ball, hit somebody. And, so and, fast. Yeah. It's different than backing up. It's yeah. you're, you're going forward. Okay, so let's talk about the mindset. So how do you recover if you miss a block? How do you recover if if somebody gets through the A-gap and they sack the quarterback and you're like, oh, man. Yeah, that's – What do you do? You know, that's every lineman's, you know, nightmare. Um, seeing someone get through the, the line of scrimmage or seeing when so, your guy make the play, uh, it's, such a, it's such a mental buster that it's hard to come back from sometimes. But um, – Luckily, we have amazing coaches who, who, who coach us through adversity. You know, there's always going to be adversity. You know, you, you can never play a perfect football game. You know, you're going against guys who are, who've been practicing all week, who've been watching their film. You know, they know what's going on too. So uh, they're going to make plays, and that's going to happen. And the biggest thing that you need to do is just be able to let that go, you know, one play at a time. You know, that play already happened. They got through, learned from that mistake, move on, and then hit someone in the next play. Um, you know, that's all you can do. If you keep focusing on that one thing, it's just going to come back and haunt you and bite you in the butt later in that game. So you just got to make sure you're always moving forward and never looking back and just making sure every single play, you're just focusing on that play and what you're doing on that certain situation. So uh, what do you say to a teammate who has screwed up? 
you know, one of the things, so I played defensive end, stand-up linebacker, so cross-face technique at the tight end. I kept my wheels. I was recruited as a defensive back okay. and a wide receiver. But if the, if the tight end went across my face, then I would take him man-to-man, usually out in the flat. That was kind of a defensive scheme. And um, every once in a while, I'd think my defensive tackle's not doing his job, and so we're playing against the veer, and I'd get sucked in to take the flip and dive, and all of a sudden they pitch it around, so it's my error, but it's because I had lack of confidence in the guy next to me thinking I had to do his job and my job too. So that's a trust issue. Where do you develop the trust? It's not game time. It's practice, correct? All, all we throughout practice, you're running certain situations, you're running certain plays, and you're kind of building that chemistry all week. So, I mean, all year. So, I mean, every week you kind of start, you know, putting this file together of how you work with certain people and you're working with your center or your tackle. And so when situations do come about, you're like, okay, I know exactly how he's going to handle this situation, so I need to do this. You know what I mean? So – like I said, there's there's no perfect football team. There's no perfect football player. So your teammates are going to make mistakes. And the thing is, you got to let go of that ego and say, oh, I did my job, right? But it's we're, we play as a team. We play as an offensive unit. We play as an offensive line. So, you know, it's our job. You know, we all got to work together. And so when one of your teammates make a mistake, we all make a mistake. And like I said, you know, you just got to forget about it. You know, it happened. Learn from that mistake. And let's move on and let's keep playing. So trust is so critically important in a personal relationship and everything. And so if you can't trust the guy next to you, you're going to try and play two positions and then you're weak at everything. So teach us how do you develop that trust off the field? Like with my wife or with, with anyone? Just, I think it's, yeah, I think it, it holds true in, in the it, family, but it's just, yeah. I think it's that same, that same situation. Like I just said, it's, it's building that little file of how you react and what you do in every situation. You know, being with my wife, I know, you know, if something, a certain situation comes up, I know exactly how she's going to react or exactly yeah. what's going to happen so I can prepare myself and do whatever it is I need to do, right? And so I think it's just that chemistry that you build, you know, whether it's me and my wife, whether it's me and my dad, or whether it's me and, you know, whoever it is. You, 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 if you want that trust, you had to build that file up a little bit and make sure it's uh, nice and padded before you I can. love it. You remind me. So I spoke at a big convention in San Diego to all these entrepreneurs and the guy before me. His name was Josh, and he invented the uh, mood ring, oh, wow. and the uh, and the uh, thigh master. Okay. <laughs> and I'm backstage thinking, how am I going to follow this guy? And I came up with the idea. So they introduced me. I came out on stage, and I was doing this. And he starts <laughs> laughing. I said, Yeah, once you try, you can't stop. But I said, I want to thank Josh for that mood ring, because it literally saved my marriage. Because it made it, my wife so predictable. When she was in a good mood, the mood ring turned blue. But when she was in a bad mood, it always left a red mark on my forehead. <laughs> he started laughing, saying, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Where were you when I was marketing? So it's good to be predictable. It's good. Okay, bro. So uh, who inspired you uh, as a football player growing up? If you started when you were 12, when did you really start thinking about this could be a real this could be a real dream come true to play in college. Uh, I think not until my around my junior year is when not only myself but my family members kind of realized like I can probably do this in the long term, uh, just making plays. And um, who inspired me to kind of kind of work at it was just my family. Um, just how man, it's just amazing how supportive they were in everything I did. Man, it was just like they were always calling me making sure I was getting to places on time, make sure I was working hard and make sure I was doing okay and, and coming to games, coming to practices. And 
um, it's just hard not to feel inspired or feel motivated when you have that such of amazing support group. That's so cool. And that's even developed further now that I'm married. I have amazing in-laws who are diehard Utah fans even before we met, and, and they fly out to every game. Uh, they come to every home game. Uh, they call me all the time throughout the week, making sure practices are going well. Um, and so my support group has just been outstanding ever since I've been a kid. So um, that that motivation and that and that inspiration comes from my loved ones and my family just being so amazing. And when you when you have a teammate who doesn't have that same support, you're sensitive and empathetic. Where maybe you step up as a more than a teammate, more of a brother to say, "Hey, we got your back." And how oh, you of doing? course, you know, always reaching out and asking. Of course, yeah. I mean. You know, that, your teammates are your brothers, and uh, not everyone is, is blessed, and not everyone has family close, especially yeah. at, the, at the college level. And you know, a lot of people are from out of state, some are out of the country. Um, and so you just got to make sure you're there for every single one of your brothers and making sure that they have someone in their corner at all times. I love it. So where did you go on your mission? So I served in Tegucigalpa, Honduras. Uh, wow. Yeah, it was amazing. I uh, learned Spanish. We spent six weeks in Guatemala trying to learn Spanish. Llamo Gordo Grande. <laughs> Okay. That means I'm a fat man. It's, I, I know enough Spanish just to kind of get by. It's amazing. Good Spanish. Thank, um, you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but, yeah, spent two years in Honduras uh, just loving the people, learning the language, and, and serving them, and it, it was an amazing experience. What did you learn that, that has helped you be a better football player and now a great husband and dad? Uh, I think just the uh, importance of gratitude of everything we have and just – you know, living over there, I mean, they didn't have, you know, a ton, but uh, they sure lived with gratitude, and they, they were so grateful for everything they had, and they were so um, grateful for the Lord and, and our Heavenly Father for, for everything. You know, they'd always just say, they'd always just relate everything to, to our Heavenly Father, and, and I love that. And so I kind of just try to implement in my life um, the many blessings that He has uh, given me in my life, whether it's my family, my abilities to play this, this sport, um, the opportunity to, to have a degree. You know, I'm just so blessed, and so the opportunity to learn gratitude was important for me. So what's your major? So I, I graduated in um, family and consumer science with the emphasis in finance. I love it. Um, so I just kind of, I love, I'm not love math, but it just was something that came easily to me. And so when I was trying to find a degree, I kind of juggled through it a little bit. I wanted to do pre-med. I wanted to be a doctor one day, but then I don't like the sight of blood or anything like That's that. That's hilarious. So I had to stop that pretty quick. Um, I tried psychology, kinesiology, I tried all that, and I uh, just couldn't find something that I liked, and, you know, finally it fell in my lap, and it worked out. Yeah, I remember I, every girl I dated, I told her I was in pre-med just so I had some credibility with her mom, but <laughs> the nine years I was a freshman kind of killed it all, you know, it was one of those <laughs> tough, you know, experiences in college, just kidding. Although the guys that I grew up with, they thought seventh grade would be my senior year, so I've surprised everyone. Hey, there you go. This podcast episode is sponsored by the University of Utah Marketing Department. Thank you so much for your tireless and relentless support of University of Utah student-athletes. Okay, so uh, so what's your favorite food? My favorite food, uh, it's uh, chicken scallopini. It's a food that my dad makes. Uh, I don't know if it's actually chicken scallopini, but that's what we've always called it. It's like this chicken with a... <laughs> actually, it's a Big Mac from McDonald's, yeah, but my dad gave me this yeah. really exotic name. It's so just we, a chicken sandwich, loved, right? Yeah. Uh, it's just like this chicken with... He makes a special gravy that goes on top, and we either have like rice or mashed potatoes with it. But really? it's like a special meal that he makes on big occasions, and, and uh, it's been one of my favorite meals since I was a kid. So what's your favorite movie? Uh, favorite movie. Uh, like I said, I'm a big Marvel guy, big uh, Adam Sandler guy. Um, I don't really have a favorite movie. I like 
genres. I love comedy movies and oh yeah, yeah. So okay, so uh, probably the most important thing you can do is well, let's just talk. Just set up the last question or the last uh, request. Okay. So, did you win the championship playing at Corner Canyon? Never, never once. Never. No, but we made it to playoffs every year. Yeah. So, uh, who else recruited you coming out of Corner Canyon? Um, I mean, most of the Pac-12. Um, you know, all the Utah schools. You had Vanderbilt, um, Wisconsin. That's good. At Vanderbilt. That means you had a great point average. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I, I did pretty well in high school. Um, most. You know, it's just sad, you know, the stereotypical dumb jock. Everybody thinks our cholesterol counts higher than our SAT scores, and you're just really putting that to, to rest. So I appreciate you being on the show. It, it's funny. <laughs> I actually, when I did track my senior year, my shot put coach, she was actually also the volleyball coach and stuff like that, but she taught school or whatever. But they get our grades when you play sport for them. They get our grade checkups or whatever. And she came up to me on practice, and she put her hand on my shoulder, and she said, hey, I'm I'm really sorry. I was like, sorry for what? She's like, I stereotyped you. I was like, what do you yeah. mean? She's like, I thought you were just a big dumb jock. And I said, I got your grade report, and you're actually pretty smart. And I'm like, well, thanks, coach. Yeah, like, yeah you think that's a compliment. It's kind of like somebody coming up to me and saying, you, you don't sweat much for a fat guy. I don't know if that's a compliment <laughs> or not, but I'd say thank you anyway. Yeah. So that's cool. So who uh, who inspires you in the NFL? Who do you think your play style is most like? Oh, man, that's a great question. I mean, as a defensive player, I love J.J. Watt. Oh, I yeah. thought, you know, he attacked the ball and attacked every play with, you know, such aggressive and such physicality. I loved it. Um, and I've kind of implemented that in my offensive side of the line ball. Um, I love, uh, obviously, Jason Kels, you know, just how he you – know, he's not uh, the biggest guy in the field, but, man, he, he plays. He plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, he's he's not the Taylor Swift Kels. And no, it's the other one. Um, just, just making sure we know that. But he's amazing, man. He just the way he atta- he's such a high IQ football player, and yeah. I just love the way he works. And you know, I'm not a center, but man, he comes out the ball, and he you know he he knows how to do his job, and that's what I kind of like to be. So, if you got drafted by your dream team, who would it be? Uh, anywhere warm. Um, <laughs> I love Utah, and I love you know the nature, and love everything it's given me. But after a few years in the snow, I'm kind of over it. I just want to be somewhere warm where I can just relax and have nice weather all year round. Inside, you know, maybe a Raider, maybe <laughs> maybe a wherever Charger, it's warm, man. I want. I won't complain too bad. That's good. So you're just such a, an amazing young man. Thanks for thank you. I appreciate bringing that. so much joy. So here's what I want to ask you. I want you to look in the camera, and I want you to tell every dad and mom, every every high school kid, why they should come and play for Utah. What makes our program so unique? Wow, that's a great and, question. Uh, and stand out. Uh, that's something that I've always, I've always thought, um, Utah football isn't the easiest football. So if you want to come, uh, to a college and, and just kind of hang out and, and play some football and, and be decent, um, then, uh, Utah football isn't your school. Um, Utah football is a, is a, it's a program and it's a place where you're going to come and you're going to work, um, and they're going to work you hard. Um, but it's for your benefit. And I think I've seen that in my years being there. They have the saying where respect the process. Um, you may not know why you're you're running that day. You may not know why you're lifting so much that day. But um, come game time, you're going to realize why we do what we do. Um, and just that all in or in the way mindset is just we work hard so we can, you know, reap from those benefits. And it's been amazing being there. You're going to find brothers. You're going to find best friends. You're going to find family. Um, it's a blessing to be at Utah football. It's amazing. And 
we can't forget we travel well as a fan base. It's usually oh, a home man. game, like at Baylor, like at the Pac-12 championship. I've been to those games, and yeah, it's crazy to see how up. much red pops up when you're yeah. when you're away. It's it's amazing. But from a fan's perspective, and from a dad's perspective, and from a former player's perspective, you represent all of us, and we just honor you for that, man. Well, you're thank you. It's it's an honor for sure. You're these gentlemen, and uh, you are the the guy that our sons need to become like. So thank you so <laughs> well, I appreciate much. That. Keaton, appreciate you. This is Keaton. Keaton Bills, number fifty-one, offensive right guard. Left guard. Like I said, offensive tackle, <laughs> offensive left guard, and uh, extraordinary. I challenge everybody to watch and put a little bit more pressure on him, oh, knowing great. that we got 60,000 folks watching every play to make sure he gets off the ball on time. But you really are an inspiration to watch, and I just want you to know Thank that you. You, you've taken that, that position to the highest level possible. And when you go into the NFL, I know you're going to represent all of us very well, and I congratulate you on being a an outstanding human being who happens to be a football star. Uh, well, thank you. I love that. I appreciate that. God bless you, and God bless your family and your little guy, Jensen. I appreciate that. He looks like such a stud. Maybe the NIL deal now is we need to like invest in him like we would a secretary at Racehorse and say, okay, <laughs> when he finally signs his NFL contract, I've already bought stock in his, <laughs> in his future, and that could be something that you could really start pushing. That might be a thing to do. we got to look into that. Why not? <laughs> anyway, Dan Clark, power players with the University of Utah student-athlete, Keaton Bills, and uh, I can't wait for you to tune in again. You have a good day. The views and opinions expressed on the Power Players podcast do not necessarily reflect those of KUTV or Sinclair Broadcast Group.